Hi, all. Thanks so much for joining Speaking of Making Healthcare Work for You, Different Perspectives and Empowering Solutions. I'm Stephanie Fields, joined by my co-host, Dr. Apoorv Gupta. And today we welcome Dr. Mark Schur, who is the Chief of Children's and Women's at the Medical University of South Carolina. Mark, thanks so much for being here today. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. As you know, my family is entrenched with MUST through various ways, and I love everything that you're doing. And you recently moved into a beautiful new hospital, the MUSC Sean Jenkins Children's Hospital. And I think what impresses us most about you through our previous conversation is your dedication to change overall, the interpersonal relationships that you feel are so important in healthcare with the patient families and the patients themselves. And then the thought that you put into this hospital, and I'm going to start with the thing that struck me most in our pre-conversation. You said that in 2015, when all of the planning for the new hospital was happening, you had a big meeting with all of the IT and tech representatives, and you ultimately ended up tabling that conversation because one of you, you or someone else said, we have no idea what's going to happen in five years when this hospital opens or four years when the hospital opens we can't have this conversation. What led you guys to have the foresight to think, we have no idea what the technology is gonna do in that time period? First of all, I'll say it's, it's been a huge team effort. Um, I appreciate you, you know, acknowledging the work that we've done here. Um, and I very specifically remember that conversation um, and where we were. Um, I'll have to say not all of it was, was complete wisdom. Some of it was quite practical. Um, because we felt uh, overwhelmed, I, I guess would be my best uh, uh, answer to that. We had this huge project. We we're going to, after literally decades of discussion, we we're going to open this new, wonderful women's and children's hospital. Um, we we're just at the beginning planning of it in the first, uh, half a year or so. And, uh, we knew that we had to manage the, the IT question. So we got all these stakeholders in a room and after it must've been at least an hour or so, it just became clear, I think, collectively that we didn't need to and shouldn't try to completely answer this question of, and frankly, frankly couldn't answer the question mostly, of what technology was going to look like five years ahead. And it made us begin a journey around deconstructing um, that question, which led to a lot of great conversations Kind of fundamental conversations about not only technology but the delivery of healthcare that I think helped us um, find innovative solutions and begin really a journey that we're still on uh, of finding a way to let technology help us on the journey in delivery of healthcare um, and, and not so much be um, a very expensive and hard to predict component of it operationally. Mark, it sounds like instead of uh, you having technology lead the way, you kind of flipped the, the script inside out and said, well, what do we want clinically? What's the experience that we want? And what's the experience we want to our patients, which is fantastic. And uh, unfortunately, so many times we find that people don't usually lead that way. So that must have been really difficult for you to figure out how to get your administrative leadership and your medical leadership and uh, IT leadership on board uh, with, the, with the direction that you were now charting? Yeah, I would say um, I was, you know, the whole leadership team, we were really lucky to be given a, a tremendous amount of um, leeway and opportunity to think differently. Again, that's one of the reasons I really enjoyed being 
a part of um, the Medical University of South Carolina. And, and this project was a great example of that, where the senior most leadership of the university and the healthcare system said that they expected innovation out of this project. They, they wanted us to, to try to think differently. Of course, we had to manage budgets and timelines and all those things. But, um, you know, that was, we weren't just building a building. They, they encouraged us to think differently which allowed us to, to do that. And it was hard though. I, it, this was hard work deconstructing um, what we were trying to solve for. Um, and until we did that work, which took us more than a year, probably two solid years, um, we weren't able to get to our ultimate series of solutions. Um, but that deconstruction process was really important to kind of what was what are we solving for? What is what does this delivery of healthcare thing mean? Uh, at least within you know a tertiary quaternary hospital, specifically a children's hospital, with obstetrics care in it as well. It's interesting that you said that the leadership expected innovation, and the path to get through that to that for your team was through deconstruction and eliminating technology. Not eliminating technology, but kind of putting that on the side and saying, okay, well. What really does matter? And you were telling a compelling story before about rethinking rounds that something probably just, you know, it's so entrenched in your daily life as a physician that that's not something that somebody goes back and revisits. Well, why are we doing this? What matters? So tell us what were some of those like light bulb moments that you had whenever you were talking with your team about what could be better about rounds? We went through this process and we really all agreed upon a central principle, which isn't, you know, isn't new or earth shattering, but I think it was important that our team came to it ultimately collectively and we embraced it, right? We said, okay, we're, that's, we all agree on that obvious primary thing, but we're going to solve for that. And that was that healthcare is ultimately uh, an interpersonal relationship. You know, we started with the discussion of technology. How did, you know, now we're at this really kind of, you know, primordial idea of what healthcare is, like how do we get back to something practical? So then we came up with use cases, like what are we doing now? Like how are we doing this well in our current state? And that's how we got into rounds. We talked about technology and what we were doing. And, and my background, I'm a pediatric cardiac intensivist clinically. And boy, have I spent a lot of hours in rounds in, in both training and as an attending. And what, one of the things that, that had happened uh, really across a couple of hospitals that I worked in lots of different teams and seen it with others was a really a propagation of means to use the electronic me medical record, which were ended up being computer screens on platform wheels with keyboards where people did work on rounds. And in what the, if you put four or five or six of those together, which often happened in academic environments particularly, what that ends up being is a mobile wall between the patient and family in a bed space and the team rounding. And instead of going to the bed space and having an interaction with a family member, if, if it's a critically ill patient or the patient themselves, if not, um, you are actually <laughs> ironically creating another barrier between that. And so that we decided was a problem that technology had created in this um, to this primary thing that we'd all agreed upon, which is healthcare should be a sharing and a relationship uh, between care provider and, and those seeking care. 
So um, we decided to um, get rid of these computers on wheels in our hospital. Um, and that was, that was hard and it wasn't universally um, embraced. And we're not 100% there, but we are well, well down the road where we don't have these big computers on wheels in our screen. And we've created an environment where we can sort of like you do at home on, you know, onto your TVs at home, you can cast that view of the medical record into the room on a single screen. And you can, it pushes the team into the room to have an interaction with the family. And oh, by the way, you can make that screen do, do all sorts of other things, just like we experience outside of healthcare, like call in a relative into rounds or another consultant, or when we're gone, that same screen becomes the, the movie screen or the Netflix account, or tell you where you are in your journey uh, during your hospital stay. And, and by deconstructing what we were doing and, and trying to solve for that primary issue, a relationship, um, we started making decisions around technology. It almost seems like there would be a, a burden removed because now not everybody is going to be focusing on their computer or taking notes. Like everybody can look at that one point and focus on the actual words being said. Well, it's a journey. And, and this is a lot of change, right? Because uh, um, knows very well, like this is ingrained in us from our early training moments as medical students or as nursing students or what have you, that this is the way rounds is. So I can't say that we have solved that completely and it works perfectly on every rounds and every patient, every unit, every day. But it's definitely this decision around technology has pushed us into this other kind of more important discussion of what are we trying to do with our daily work? How do we, again, solve this primary issue? How are we communicating? How are we learning and listening? Um, how do we create others both you know, and this is not just the patients and families. How do we create a team, a, a clinical team that shares knowledge and makes good decisions together on an even playing field? It's a, such a fantastic story, Mark, that you've described because you're, you've really been able to develop what everybody's trying to search for, which is how do you make it about the patient? Not only is it about the interpersonal care, but ultimately, right, what you were trying to do is to say, yeah, there's a patient here in the room that we're trying to visit with and evaluate and communicate with and serve to some extent, but yet our technology has become a mobile wall. What an amazing image that you've thrown up. Uh, and I was laughing earlier when, when Stephanie said, well, this must be such a burden removed because I said, well, you know, this is why you made the comment probably, Mark, I'm imagining is that unfortunately uh, uh, the, the way in which we work, um, you know, the primary objective of the interpersonal relationship is at odds with the secondary objective, which is we got to document everything and we got to bill for our services. And here now the two things are driving to a head. Uh, not only do you have years and years and years of ingrained practice, but we think we somehow got lost and confused in thinking that our objective is actually documentation and billing. So that must have be taken and continues to probably take for you some considerable uh, influencing and communication to convince your doctors and nurses. I'd love to hear some of those yeah. stories of how you it, were you're able to try to do that. It is, and, and the other partner I would say is really important. In this are and this is is are those external companies and partners and vendors. The thing that I really really encourage our teams is push your use cases out there, tell them your, your problem points and just 
it, it feels at times we are victims of whatever EHR we're on or how fast they're moving. But uh, what I've found is if you really, really keep pushing that the, the companies do want to change. So one of the things that we wanted to do, and this started as a discussion was we, at the same time we opened this hospital, we had created a pediatric ambulatory campus about 10 or 12 miles away that opened a year and a half before the new hospital. So, uh, you know, ambulatory surgery site and, and radiology platform and medical office building for some specialties. We wanted to connect these two things. And we knew that, you know, we didn't have, you know, eight um, heart, heart failure specialists. We had three. And, you know, a person can only be at one place at one time. So we needed to connect them into the room for rounds. If they had a clinic out at this new place or some other ambulatory site, they needed to be able to be in the room and they need to be able to document and bill, et cetera. We found a way, we worked with our EHR provider, we worked with um, our local IS group um, to find a way to securely uh, video chat um, within our firewall systems, which sounds easy, but isn't, right? So to create, a, it create essentially go through the EHR to create a visit that is securely performed between two sites within our system that allows you directly to document and drop a bill appropriately for the service provided in a way that didn't require you to do one thing over here and then get out and go over here to another system and then you know remind yourself to go over here and bill it's all integrated into one thing as if you were actually easier than if you went into walked into the room and then went to bill and document so that was we, we built that and it was the first that it happened within this particular EHR provider in this certain way. But the thing that really helped, you know, because we opened this hospital three weeks before we shut it down again for our pandemic. And we never envisioned of all the different scenarios um, of thinking of things, the pandemic, nor its impact of how on healthcare delivery. Well, we had now a mechanism because we solved this primary thing. We need to be able to have our providers be truly a part and document and bill and all be appropriate. We could now actually do that safely and remotely um, for subspecialties through the, the pandemic. And, um, you know, I, I love that example because we, we couldn't have, just like that table in 2015, we never, we would have never envisioned that, right? We could have had, 20 hours of visioning sessions and never come up with that scenario. But what helped us, and we stumbled through this, it's not like that we, we you know, knew that this would lead us to, to the right decisions, that jumping back and trying to solve for the primary issues that you can bring people along, you can get the vendors to, to get excited about it. You can get the internal stakeholders to, to, to champion it and you can, create some changes that probably have impact beyond whatever you were trying to solve for. I love that. I think that's so great. And I think that even though we could have never predicted a pandemic, 
I think the fact that MUSC is in, you know, coastal South Carolina, the fact that you always have to think about hurricanes, which is a big deal, you know, who's going to handle what, that also prepares you for a lot of things like that. Switching to a poor... As you're talking about this, Mark, you said at the outset that your leadership pretty much expects innovation. And then you describe so many different aspects of how you've been able to do that. So what it makes me think of considering a lot of the clients we're trying to help and support in that journey is how did you create this culture that has allowed you to be able to take these amazing steps and step back and push things off and be innovative and get your vendors to work with you in such a creative way. It's all part of that culture. It's so tremendous, but maybe you can tell us a little bit about what, what has been done to uh, you know foster that culture of innovation. I'm a recipient of it too. Uh, I'll, and my team, um, and everyone on this specific project, I, I think that it, it really comes from the top, you know, our university president or health system CEO, our board of direct, our board of trustees. Um, that's just the culture that has been particularly fostered over the last five, six, seven years. Um, and it's grown each year. And, you know, I'll step back. It's not even always, it certainly is explicit part of our um, strategic plans, et cetera, from the system down um, to have an innovation goal, et cetera. But, it, but it's also just, um, it, it's implicit. And I, I guess the other thing I, I will say is sometimes I think innovation is tough because I think we think it means inventing something. And I heard one, our chief innovation officer speak to this the other day, and it rang true with me that you have to be an inventor and you're going to, you know, you're going to get a patent on something. And no, it, it doesn't actually. I, I think it's also extraordinarily pragmatic. I mean, based on square footage with other large children's hospitals being built in the country, this was a constrained budget. Um, it's about prioritization, right? We just decided that for this budget, which was quite nice, but again, on this, not on the scale of every project around the country, we were going to choose to innovate. We were going to choose to not let that be a burden, uh, which I think is often false, right? You can, you can open a big, wonderful, state-of-the-art hospital and not um, get into the highest level of funding. Um, you can just choose to innovate. And it helps when you have senior leadership, it certainly did to me and my team, that says, not only is that okay, we really expect that out of you guys. So, so bring your ideas and you know, push them forward. We'll help you, you know, push with external partners or what have you. We'll give you space to do it. It taught me a lesson, um, certainly, as I think about helping and um, serving the teams that I, I'm fortunate to be a part of about, you know, giving space and, you know, allowing them to think big and, and supporting those decisions. To say it's impressive is, you know, just never going to be enough because I've been fortunate enough to see the old hospital as a patient and then my daughter as a patient and seeing the new hospital, thankfully, right before it was open, I got to do a walkthrough before we moved back to Pennsylvania. And MUSC has the tagline, changing what's possible. And I love that you do that. And I feel like having that tagline as part of your company's, you know, branding really is just so perfect because you guys do live that. I mean, you guys see that and you live that. And that's what's so impressive to me that every decision that you have, at least from my perspective and my experience, has been driven through the patient's needs. 
And thinking through the new hospital, you know, you gave the cancer patients who are some of the longest term patients, you gave them the most beautiful floor because they're going to be there the longest. I think it's also interesting that, you know, it's named after Sean Jenkins, who was the founder of Benefit Focus, who was also very into design and, you know, technology and thinking outside of the box. But he has a similar thought about things, you know, doesn't have to be the newest, the biggest, the whatever. It's like thinking about the meaning of why. And so when you think about... MUSC and the legacy that you and your team are are leaving here and what you want the patient experience to be, what are those things that you want them to walk out of there and say, okay, I know that they've had this experience or they felt this way or that we made this connection. What matters to you that the patients are feeling? I think uh, two things. One, I will say um, uh, the best compliment we can ever receive in healthcare, in my opinion, is that uh, when patients or families tell us that they were treated like family, that and it doesn't doesn't require an outcome, it doesn't doesn't guarantee the best case scenario thing happened, um, but when we do that, when we get that feedback, you know, families go through a lot together. You know, strong families go through a lot. You know, and they find a way to communicate, they find a way to make decisions, they find a way to live with the good and the bad and, and things that they wish had gone differently. And that to me is the, the highest level compliment um, that we can receive or to know that we're doing things well. Um, it, it, you know, the downstream of that is great for everyone involved. And the second thing I, I would, I really hope, and I, I think that the team would agree to, um, you know, when, uh, we talked about the old building um, that was built in the late 80s. Um, and I'm sure they went through a similar process and thinking differently. And this is the first children's hospital here at MUSC. And I was lucky to find some old um, Polaroids of uh, the, the original people. And it listed this person and that person. And they were in this role and that role. And it was, it was really eye-opening to me because I didn't know any of these people. I didn't know any of their names. I had never seen their faces. I've been around here a while. Um, and they had created this thing, which was an expectation that Charleston would have a children's hospital. Um, and what I hope is that this thing lives on and continues to change in a way that me and the team never could think of or envisioned and that it grows and it continues to serve and that it's a place where um, people don't need to remember our names or how we impacted that, but, but this idea that it continues to build on relationships in healthcare lives on. I think that would be uh, a fantastic legacy that the whole team would agree with, is, 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 the, is the best. I can't think of one that's better than that. And thank you so much for being here. We're really excited. This is part of a series that we're doing with Medical University of South Carolina. And I love this conversation. I thought it was so great. I love the innovative things you're doing by deconstructing everything. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed it. Very inspiring. Thank you, Mark. Thank you all for watching. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.